0: Radio,
1: Bill Furman, and Jim Chesko. It's Wednesday, June 26, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Phillies are, man, they're getting fat off the Mets so far after a losing streak that pushed them as far as six-and-a-half games out of first place. With trips to Miami and Atlanta coming up, they're going to be huge.
2: Yeah, think about this. They scored 15 runs during their seven-game losing skid and have erupted for 20 runs over the last two nights in beating the Mets. Two more games against the Mets, and then, yeah, a big road trip with the Phillies hoping to get a little revenge against both the Marlins and Braves.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to do more than split against Miami and Atlanta to pick up any ground.
2: Yeah, Bill, we seem to have lost you a bit there, so uh, check your phone line. But yes, you are correct. The Braves have been playing very, very well for the past month, so you know they're not going to be a pushover, and the do, the Phillies do have to make up some ground. Are you back with us, Bill?
1: I am back, and we okay, certainly hello. will get back. Speaking of that, to the Phillies a little bit later, but tonight we have a return visit from our special guest the Camp Director at Play-by-Play Sports Broadcasting Camp, Neil Hartman, and tonight is our sixth annual, Oh boy, it seems, doesn't seem like it's been that long, Chet, Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame Preview Show.
2: Yeah, our Just for Fun Hall of Fame celebrating the great athletes from Philly sports history. We started doing it a few months into our first year. That was back in 2014, and here we are doing it for a sixth straight summer, Bill. But you know, speaking of Hall of Fame, Brian Propp is still not, in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and that bugs me. They put Gee Carbono in and not Brian Poppin. I don't like that. Neil. Me neither. And I can't wait to get to that tonight. Hey, quick question, though, before we get Neil on. Am I a horrible person for not having watched a single minute of the Women's World Cup soccer games? Well, if you are, you have a partner, because I have <laughs> not either. I mean, they're, I they're doing well. Either. Doing well, obviously. they you know, won three in a row. I guess they're into, what, the final eight now um i wish them the best i just haven't gotten around to seeing a minute of it so shame on me
1: well yeah I, I just have i haven't really just had the time but it's probably not something i would have sat down and watched much anyway
2: well right now you're kind of busy because you're like on this little world tour you're uh in somewhere in south carolina now greenville
1: yeah and the, 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 uh... you know I, I i was doing pretty well there with being uh in the home philly press box for quite a while but uh Business has taken me out. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina tonight uh, as the Traveling Road Show continues, and uh, we'll be in Atlanta
2: next week. You get around, my friend.
1: Well, let's welcome
0: Neil Hartman to Philly Press Fox Radio. Neil, how are you?
2: Neil, are you there?
0: Me. I hear you from loud and clear if you guys hear me all There
1: you go. Yes, Neil Hartman,
0: better. welcome to the show. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, Neil, that was Bill. This is Chet. Thanks a bunch for joining us for a second straight summer. We're excited to talk to you about the sports broadcasting camps that you run. But before we do that, we need to touch on a couple of Philly sports topics first. Is that okay with you?
0: No problem. Absolutely. All
2: right. It's it's certainly been an interesting month for the Phillies, Neil. Prior to the Mets series, the Phils lost seven straight games and I think sixteen of twenty two as their three and a half game first place lead turned into a six or six and a half game deficit. I mean, there were a multitude of issues, but how did a team with, we thought, lots of offensive firepower look so inept for three full weeks?
0: Well, I think once Andrew McCutcheon went down, I think that was the telling sign of, you know, they've, they've struggled since he's not been in the lineup. Uh, they found a perfect guy to lead off uh, for them, and, and when he went down with the injury, that really affected this ball club. Look, pitching has always been suspect. Their starters have not been good. The bullpen's been poor. Um, and when they're not hitting, they're really a tough team to watch. Um, you know, <laughs> let's see if they're if they're back on track and they're starting to hit again. But uh, the New York Mets can always uh, <laughs> they can always uh, help ball clubs that are struggling. So we'll see if that continues tonight.
1: Well, you Neil, know, you you've been watching baseball as long as Jet and I, pretty much. Uh, how do you how do you feel about all this analytics stuff and how how this is all going and did, did, do you buy into it, and does it is that really what's going to affect Dave Kapler the most as we go here?
0: Well, I think look it, 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 like in any industry, you're going to change over time and the the the, the ability to be able to utilize analytics uh, in baseball is uh, I think it's just changing with the times. I don't think people exclusively rely on analytics. I'd like to believe they also have the eye test, and, and go on what their feel is as a manager. So I think you use a combination of both. Uh, clearly, Gabe Kapler likes analytics, so does Matt Klintec, but, but I think they also rely on, on you know just making good judgment on what they feel is the right thing for the lineup day in and day out. Look, when you're struggling the way the Phillies have struggled and the lineup changes that Kapler's put out there, you're, you're trying to find any kind of combination to get this club going. Little did we know it was some bamboo – that would get
2: these guys out of the funk. Yeah, Bill and I were talking about that before we went on the air. Uh, Speaking of good judgment, though, Neil, we had a couple of situations recently with guys not hustling. Gene Segura a couple of times, Cesar Hernandez, and neither of them got punished in the sense of, you know, having to sit out of the starting lineup the next day. A lot of fans were not happy about that. I heard Larry Anderson on WIP the other day. He thought that Gabe did not handle that properly. What was your take on the way it was handled? Um, I would
0: handle it that night, that, at that moment. Um, I think
2: clearly he's looking at the,
0: you know, is it going to affect my ball club? I, is it going to affect me winning or losing a ball game if I take a player out at that time? And obviously he felt that was the case. Uh, he still addressed it afterwards, but I would address it that night. Look, if, if a player doesn't hustle, it's the one thing you can't get away with in Philadelphia is not hustling. Um, and I don't understand it. I, I mean, let, I, it, that's just part of my DNA is, is I'm going to gut it out and I'm going to hustle at all times. Um, and I would hope that, that these athletes would do the same. Uh, we've seen plenty of athletes. We just honored one in chase Utley that have done it for many, many years in Philadelphia. And, and that's tough for these, this fan base to see a player that's not going to give it all out at all times. So very simple give it give it your all every time you're playing and i know it's hard but you're also being paid very handsomely to perform at a high level at all times or the best of your ability which is a, a pretty pretty high ability and when you don't i think you should be um you know sad at that time but i i, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not so much the next day because look look you're, you're there to try to win games you can't punish players and I think this is the big leagues. I don't think you can do that, although you want to send a message, and I think Kapler didn't do that properly the first time it happened with Segura. You've got to sit him down that game that night. You might lose that ball game, but you're hopefully going to send a message to the rest of your players. I hear you.
1: Yeah, and, you know, besides watching just an awful week of ugly baseball last week, and the hustling thing, I think the thing that probably disturbed me the most was either Saturday, I believe it was Saturday or Sunday, when they had John Krupp on postgame live after the game, and he said, well, hustling, or lack of hustling, has become part of the game, and we're seeing it with every team everywhere. That's just disturbing to me.
0: Well, you know, look, I don't want to sound like some old – you know, fuddy-duddy but, but I, it's, it's a little bit of the, the, the athlete today It's a little different than it was even 10 years ago. Um, athletes they are a little different um, and I don't really have an explanation why it's turned out to be this way. I think they're more talented they have an immense amount of ability but there is there is something missing a little bit that was there um, you know when John played for example. Uh, and, and, look, I, I coached with John. Our, our boys grew up. Uh, we played a couple years uh, of youth baseball with our boys and when they were very young. And he, he was teaching the fundamentals of the game. And at that point, you're just trying to have fun and so forth. But, look, John, as much as, as, much as John had fun while playing the game, uh, he's also serious about it. And I think when you have a player like that, when you see the game not being played the right way, you're offended by it. And it's something you're like, well, like, why can't you do that? Um, but, again, I think you have to be a little, a little delicate with today's athlete. It's just a, it's a different time right now um, for a player like John to look at how players go uh, and perform night in and night out.
2: So, Neil, the losing skit is over. They've scored 20 runs over the last two games and outscoring the Mets eight or nine homers over the last two games. I'd really love to see them getting another starting pitcher. What do you think about that idea, and what's the outlook going forward? Well, I'm a little
0: surprised they they weren't they haven't been a little more active. I mean, there were some arms out there that they could have gone after and opted not to. Atlanta obviously did, and some other ball clubs that they're competing with did. Um, I'm I'm a little surprised they didn't, but let's see what they do before the trade deadline. That's another another you know telling sign to see what they end up doing. Um, you know, look, Aaron Nola has been dis- disappointing. I'm going to the game. We're taking actually we talked earlier about our campers, so we're going to take our, our broadcasting camp. Uh, you know, Camper's there tomorrow to the game, and Aaron Nolan will night. be on the mound tomorrow afternoon. So we'll, we'll take a look at – you know, I, I'm just – he's been a – you know, been a disappointment, although his last outing was pretty good. Um, but your starting pitching has not been there. Look at Arietta last night. I mean, you know, the, you're just not getting good, solid pitching. Um, and the bullpen, granted, decimated by injury. I get it. But still, it's been, uh, I think – you know, I know they're not hitting now. They're not winning, but I think overall pitching this year has been a major disappointment.
1: Well, you speaking of the Mets, and you you covered sports and athletes and coaches and managers your whole life, just about or adult life. Uh, what do you make of the deal with the uh, the reporter and the Mets manager, a Mets player, and just having a blow up in the in the locker room? Pretty uh, pretty unusual, no?
0: Uh, not necessarily unusual. Uh, I've been in my share of, of and I'm, I'm personally, I've, I've witnessed these moments when they happen in a, in a locker room, whether, whatever, whatever the sport might be. I think it's particularly more prevalent in baseball, only because those reporters are there day in and day out. That is by far, in my opinion, the toughest beat you could possibly have. Just because of the length of the season, the number of games, the lack of off days, these players see you day in and day out. It's really tough. And I, I, I'm, you know, look, the Mets aren't playing well. Uh, you know, I, I, I just read a little bit about it. I saw the comment was a, kind of an innocuous comment, and the manager went off. So I, I, maybe there's some history there between the two of them. But I know the club apologized and all that. But look, there's there's issues that go on in, in clubhouses in baseball or. Any locker room in any other sport, it's just again I think more prevalent in baseball just because of the, you know, the heavy scrutiny that you're under every day because
2: the reporters
0: and and if you know maybe the listeners haven't been in locker rooms or we have but you know there's there's 20 guys just hovering around your locker room when the locker room's open it's it's an it's an unusual situation players are walking around with towels and so it's just a bizarre situation but that's that's the way it's been done for years and years and years and there's always been Issues between reporters and and managers or players and it happens um, so I don't I don't put too much into what happened in New York it's it's a, and also it's New York it is it is it, it's magnified because it's in the Big Apple.
2: Neil, we hope to squeeze in a Sixers question or two before we let you go, but we do want to talk first about the play-by-play sports broadcasting camps that you mentioned. You've got one happening all this week at Villanova. You're taking the kids to the Phillies game tomorrow. You have one next month in North Jersey, another in August in South Jersey. If I'm correct, these are all for kids ages 10 to 18, and they're all week-long camps. Is that right?
0: They are. Uh, Look, I got involved um, um, a year, a little over a year ago with – gentleman by the name of Jeremy Treatment and Stephen Goldstein who started these camps in 2002 um, so we're now in our 18th summer and I've gotten involved this is my second full summer of being involved with these guys and it's pretty consistent with what I'm looking to do here um, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the air I do some things on the air a little bit here and there but not a lot I'm really into developing and creating sports content now i have my own company doing that but also i, I teach at temple university and I, and I like to work with the kids it's it's really a it's a it's a neat opportunity we have 127 campers at villanova that's a lot of kids and uh, you know it's it's a really neat opportunity for them one we bring in athletes like yesterday we had josh adams of the eagles and jalen brunson now with the dallas mavericks former villanova and you know, like the opportunity for these guys, and there's broadcasters, my old colleague John Clark from Channel 10 and uh, NBC10 and, and NBC Sports Philadelphia was there. And we had a couple of guys who were former campers who are now professional broadcasters talk to the kids today. It's just a really neat opportunity. I wish I had it when I was a kid growing up because I started, I wanted to go into this business when I was 14 years old. So uh, these guys started this, uh, so this is the 18th year. They're in 11 cities. So, We've already done South Florida, Dallas, Baltimore, and now this week Philadelphia. We'll take the July 4th week off, and then I'm heading out to Chicago to run their Chicago camp. They'll be the same time running one in North Jersey. And then uh, later in the summer, as you pointed out, uh, I'll be in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, August 19th to the 23rd with our first time we've done a South Jersey camp. We have so many campers in the Philadelphia area, we really believe South Jersey would be a great time to have uh, camp as well. And we've got you know, lots of kids signed up for that as well. Uh, so, I hope that if uh, anybody's interested, it's uh, playbyplaycamps.com. Playbyplaycamps.com. So, um, love to have them. It's a great experience. Um, the kids just have a ball. i tell you. And, and of those 127, I think about uh, just a shade under half of them are staying overnight. Imagine these kids all. Oh, they're, they're in sports heaven. You know, last night they went to uh, um, uh, Nerd Street, which is a, a gaming uh, center in in uh, Philadelphia, and they went there and they did video games, you know, together as a group, all 60 of these kids and their counselors and the guys that we have with them. Uh, So there's just so many different opportunities, and uh, really they developed some neat friendships, and all the counselors are former campers. So, again, it's just uh, they've done a wonderful job, and I'm really proud to be part of it.
1: Well, and I was going to ask you that, Neil. you kind of touched on it uh, as far as overnight. So is this like a Monday through Friday camp, and how – how sold out are you where uh, can people still get in that South Jersey
0: camp? Or yeah, uh, are you selling them out pretty quick? You no, know, well, Philadelphia, uh, we oversold. We, we honestly, we set the number at 125, and we, we accepted a couple that we just said, all right, we're going to ta- we, take two more. We, we, it's kind of a long story, but we ended up taking two more. Uh, so, and, and the reason we capped at 125 is because of uh, you want to make sure they have a great experience. You know, we have about 10 counselors, and we have myself, Steve, and Jeremy. Um, you know, so we have, you know, we have a lot of people there, and we want to make sure that we have enough people to cover everything that we want to do. These kids go through stations like today. They did stand-ups for, for doing a game on television. They did a, a new, a sports anchoring. Uh, and all this is on camera, and, and the kids get the videos of it and all that. It's, it's a neat experience. Um, they did uh, sports talk radio. We do a Sports Jeopardy. We did a PTI, like a part of the interruption, where they do their own arguing, and we had it, you know, they do it in a big room, and, and they pick who, who was the best uh, at, at arguing the, the different sports topics. It's, it's, um, it's really cool. So Philadelphia, Boston, L.A. are all sold out already. Um, wow. South Jersey is not – South Jersey, we're new. It's a new camp. We've got plenty of room. We'd love to have people sign up. Uh, so if we can get the word out there, I'd love to have more people uh, sign up for that one. That's one of the reasons why we, we decided to do it, in South Jersey. Um, in my Chicago camp, we're just a, t- a hair under a hundred. So um, you know we're, we're you know and we still have a couple weeks to go. We we generally get a couple late you know people that sign up late. They just do. Um, so anyway, it's it's um, it's nine to four. Monday through Friday for the day campers. And the South Jersey one is only day camp. And uh, the, the nighttime guys, they come in Sunday night, and they stay till uh, Friday afternoon, and they have a ball.
2: Hey, Neil, I've got to tell you, my, my, my worst ever sports broadcasting memory is uh, from my college days at Penn State when I did a period or a period and a half of play-by-play for a college hockey game. All the players looked exactly the same. I hadn't memorized anyone's numbers. I couldn't keep up with the action. <laughs> I just thank God that no one taped that broadcast. So let me ask you other than preparation, what is the key to being a good play by play announcer?
0: Well, the number one is preparation. (laughs) Yes. You have to definitely be familiar with the teams and with the sport. Um, uh, You know, Bill, I had that same example. Um, I did a lacrosse game, I went to Ithaca College. Um, and I had a chance when I was in school to do basketball. I think I did gymnastics. I did a lot of football, um, all for television. Ithaca has its own television station, so I did a lot of television stuff, but I'd never done lacrosse. So a friend of mine was running a a cable uh, uh, outfit here in in, uh, New Jersey, in Central Jersey, and he said, hey, Neil, we've got a big lacrosse game. Can you come down and do it? I said, sure, I'd do it and uh, i've never done lacrosse uh, and i've never done hockey either uh, that is not an easy sport to do i just uh, you know i didn't know the sport well enough i'm a football baseball basketball guy growing up and i just never knew lacrosse i mean i've gone to games clearly but i don't know the nuances of the game the way i should and it was a struggle so i i i, I hope that tape never emerges anywhere because that was a pretty tough uh, pretty tough evening and it was a night game and the lighting was not the greatest it was a high school, like, kind of all-star game. And I'm like, I can barely see the numbers on the guys. I have no idea who these guys are. You know, and again, it's an all-star game, so it's not like I have a lot of detail on them. It was, it was really rough. So, look, we all go through those experiences. Um, you know, like today, if, if a young, if, you know, if one of our campers, and by the way, we have boys and girls, so I love having the girls there, too. We have some really nice girls that are there working who want to be broadcasters. We had Natalie Eganoff from 97.5 talk to them. We always try to get a woman to Mm -hmm. speak to them because i think it's important you know there's a lot of women that get involved in this industry as well but uh you know if someone struggles a little bit you know the the one thing i love to see is that they grind through it right they don't just say ah and they give up like they they keep working at it and that's what i love to see and um you know hey that's what that's what camp's all about right you're you're 14 years old and you want to be a broadcaster okay make your mistakes now learn now let's let's try to go and you know, teach you a little bit about what you could do if you had that problem. And you know, I, I'm telling you, these kids—there's some really, really talented kids that we're working with now that I guarantee are going to be broadcasters someday. It's really impressive.
2: Neil, one final uh, Sixers question for you: What did you think of them drafting Matisse Stibel, the good defender who's not really a big scorer, the guy out of Washington? And what's this team going to look like next year? Will Jimmy Butler be back? Do you have any idea, you know, what the shape of this team is going to be?
0: Well, I don't know if I, well, I I haven't seen him. So I I mean, I'm, I'm not watching Washington state. uh, So I'm, I I really don't know much about him. I, I, what I will say is that watching him draft night, I was very impressed with his poise and his uh, just his story and, and, and um, you know, his numbers are, you know, his steel and blocks are very impressive. So clearly a very good defensive player. And, um, you know, role players like that on championship teams. Look at Andrea Godala, right? I mean, I think you know, yeah. Andrea Godala on, on other teams was a was a well, the Sixers was their star, but like a fourth or fifth option, but a but a great option for what he does well, defending, uh, is, is great for teams. Look at Dennis Rodman back in the day, right? So Dennis Rodman, you know, they had a rebounder, never scored, rebounder, defensive guy, right? So every team needs Draymond Green. He does the same thing for for Golden State, right? You have players that play certain roles championship teams you don't want to have all the same these you know 25 point scores you don't need that you need guys who play a role and embrace their role and want to do it well so the sixers i thought were kind of heading in that direction i really hope ben simmons improves on his on his you know his perimeter game i mean that that's that's no shock there um you know jimmy butler's i think playing playing a game a little bit here i think he's you know, he's a free agent. He wants the the 190 million in five years. You know, so would I. And he's, just, I think, <laughs> with his agent, I think they're playing it very smartly to try to drum up some interest. Whether he wants to really go to Houston or not, I have no idea. But you know, he's drumming up some interest. Uh, I, I, I uh, Tobias Harris. I mean, I don't know if the market's going to be for what he's looking for. You know, I, I, again, both these guys, they're going to give up millions and millions of dollars if they have to go somewhere else. And my understanding is the Sixers do want to sign both players. So, um, you know, they, they were close, right? I mean, look at it. They were four bounces away from, from you know, now you can say, oh, well, they might not have beaten Walk in the next round. But look, the Sixers are not far away. They're really not. And Embiid and didn't get sick. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's certain things that kind of stand out well. If, I'll go down that path. I could say if Golden State were healthy, they'd win another title. So, you know, yeah. these, these things happen during the course of an NBA season and playoffs. Um, but I think there's, the future is bright in Philadelphia as long as you have Joel Embiid healthy and Ben Simmons continues to improve. That's a pretty good starting point right there. Mm-hmm. You bet.
1: Well, Neil, we have run out of time. We want to say play by play is where they can find you to get, uh, to, to go camping with you. And, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us out of your busy schedule. Well, Chet and
0: Bill, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, last summer I was poolside. This summer I'm not poolside.
2: But next year <laughs> I, I remember. I got to
0: get, get, pool, get poolside. And you know, I, and by the way, Leslie Goodell's son is one of our campers this week. How about that? There you go. I you remember, know, remember last year
2: she mentioned that possibility.
0: Yeah, yeah, she did. So her son is there, and he's having a ball. So
2: it's neat. So hopefully. Somebody out there says, hey, I want to be part of it, we'd love to have you. Hey, Neil, one thing. I saw saw Leslie last week at the Dick Vermeil Golf Invitational. We had a nice chat with me and uh, your TV wife, as you call her, and I tried to get her to give me some juicy stuff on you ahead of your show, your appearance on our show here, but she wouldn't bite. So I guess what happened at CSN Philly stayed at CSN Philly.
0: I have a clean uh, slate. There's nothing – there's no dirt. There's no dirt. There you go. there, There you go. Except I told you the dirt. You go find 1982, you go find a a lacrosse game. No, no, 82. You go find an 82 lacrosse game in Central Jersey. I think it was in Hunton County. You find that, and you've got gold. There you
1: go. You got it. Thank you, Neil.
0: All right, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: You got it. All right.
2: You know how much I enjoy visiting the Irish Rover Station House. What's not to like? The Irish Rover in Langhorne, PA, has a huge menu, lots of great choices, with lunch and dinner specials, plus daily happy hour specials between 5 and 7 p.m., always 24 beers on tap, and beer specials during all Phillies games, even the ones they're losing, as they've done quite a lot of lately. Uh, Trivia every Wednesday evening, a DJ every Friday night, and, oh, if you book their banquet room for July or August, they'll take $100 off the price. Call Two six seven five sixty fifty two forty to book. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne, and you can get more information on their website, irishroverstationhouse.com.
0: I'm alive, I'm alive. It's a beautiful day, and I'm happy to say I'm alive. I'm
1: alive. Amen. Happy to say that every day. Oh, yeah. Hey, Chet, time for our annual Silly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame preview. Just a refresher for how it works, you and I will give thumbnail sketches of each of the remaining 11 players on the ballot, as well as the five new nominees. Once the show's over, we'll post an article with a link for the fans to vote for five players for a week. The top three players in the fan vote are in. Then, Chet, you pick one, and I'll pick one, and that will make our five for the year, and we'll announce those results next week.
2: Nothing right. to it. So, Nothing to it. Yep, and
1: Chet, you know, it's been pretty easy so far, but most of the players and the athletes got a little tough for last, last year. Um, but these guys, we have Hall of Famers in their respective leagues, five of them that have not made our Hall of Fame yet. So that's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, we've been fortunate. Loads of great athletes in Philly over the years, and we do still have a few names that should certainly be in our Hall of Fame. So this is going to be fun.
1: Yep. Well, let's give a quick rundown of the 25 – I believe it's 25, athletes that have already been selected into the Hall of Fame and we will run through these really quick. So people that are new to this and wonder, well, why didn't they say this guy's name or this guy's name as a current ballot is because they're already in. So here we go. 30. We got in 30. 30, right. Like I forgot to add last year's five. We have will, In 2014, our first class was, was 10. Will Chamberlain, Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton, Bobby Clark, Bernie Perron, Steve Bednarik, Steve Van Buren, Chuck Bednarik, Steve Van Buren, Reggie White, Robin Roberts, and Julius Erving, all pretty simple knockout picks. All right, 2015, Brian Dawkins, Richie Ashburn, Bill Barber, Joe Frazier, and Pete Pijos, good list. 2016, Eric Lindros, Pete Rose, Allen Iverson, Charles Barkley, and Hal Greer, all pretty much knockouts there so far, Chet. 2017, we reached out and we got Judy Arnold, which was a good pick. Mark Howell, Moses Malone, Dick Allen, and Brian Propp, as you mentioned earlier tonight. And then last year, 2018, was loaded with Eagles. Bill Berge, Jim Bunning, Maxie Bond, Harold Carmichael, and Tommy McDonald. So they are our 30 that are in. And, Chet, did you realize that since we've been doing this, seven Phillies, six Flyers, six Sixers, Nine Eagles and two others, and that really got thrown off a little bit in 2018 when we added four Eagles
2: out of the five. Yeah, that was a big year for the Eagles last year, but pretty good balance, though. I mean, like you said, nine Eagles, six Flyers, six Sixers, seven Phillies, so very evenly distributed, and we'll see what happens here yeah. in 2019.
1: Yeah, and we gave the two others, being Joe Fraser and Judy Arnold, so they're the others
2: yes. as we have them. Uh, and you point. know what? In addition, Bill, I think we have two broadcasters in there that we put in separately, Harry Callis and Gene Hart. Yes,
1: yeah, so and we need to we re- need to rekindle that. We didn't do it last year, and we will no. do it this
2: year. All right, so let's get
1: to the players remaining on the ballot from last year, Chet. Bob Brown, Mo Cheeks, Billy Cunningham, Randall Cunningham, Darren Dalton, Tim Kerr, Donovan McNabb, Mike Quick, Jimmy Rollins, Dave Schultz, and Chet Walker, and new yep. to the 2019 Chet uh, 19 ballot, and I, I, I sent you this, and I didn't even ask you what you thought of it, so this is my first time asking you this. We're adding Ryan Howard, Bobby Jones, Rick McLeish, Tug McGraw, and Wilbert Montgomery. What did you think of that list?
2: Not bad. I think they're all certainly worthy candidates, although I also campaigned for Lionel Simmons. You chose not to add him. I guess you want to stick with the pros for now. That's okay. I'll get over it. But I think Lionel Simmons, as the greatest Big Five player ever, in most people's opinion, should be on the ballot. Maybe next year.
1: Well, and and where I struggled with that, I'll go ahead and tell you, where I struggled with that is I'm not sure he's the greatest Big Five player. So, greatest maybe somewhat modern-day player. But, eh, we'll get to him another time.
2: Okay, all right.
1: All right, so hey, before we get to our thumbnails this, discussions of each of the players on the ballot, let's get a word from our friend Dave Avoy at Allstate Insurance. And Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? And if that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave Avoy at Allstate in Westchester, PA.
2: Yeah, very true, Bill. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal, then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave LaVoy in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700, and start planning for your retirement today. Again, it's Dave LaVoy, 610-430-0700, 610-430-0700. And, you know, Bill, normally right here I'd throw in a little music, but... I'm going to save that till we're all finished with our Hall of Fame stuff cuz I want to get to this.
1: You must have something special going on.
2: All right, Dana. so let's do it. Chef, we're going we're
1: in almost alphabetical order. So, not not quite exact, had to twist them around just a little bit. But you're starting it out, you have Bob Boomer Brown and then we'll rotate through the list of nominees.
2: Ah, yes, the boomer. Bob Brown was a terrific offensive tackle for 10 years in the NFL, 1964 to 73, several all-pro selections. He played his first five years in the league as an Eagle after being drafted second overall in 1964 out of Nebraska. Later on, he played for the Rams and Raiders. Bob Brown was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2004 and was also added to the Eagles Hall of Fame that same year. Great player, Bob Brown. All right. I am
1: up with Billy Cunningham, the kid, the kangaroo kid, played nine seasons for the Sixers, including being a member of the 66-67 World Champion team. He also made four of his five all-star teams as a Sixer. For his career, Billy C. averaged 21.2 points, 10.4 rebounds, and 4.3 assists per game. Billy C. was also the head coach of the 82-83 World Champion Sixers. His number 32 has been retired by the Sixers and Cunningham was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 1986. Much worthy, Billy Cunningham.
2: One of my favorites, Bill. Now, Richie Cunningham is not on the list, Richie from Happy Days, but Randall Cunningham is. Randall went on our ballot for the first time last year and didn't get the level of support I thought he might. One of the NFL's most electrifying players ever. So many highlight film plays, the ultimate weapon, as he was often called. Randall threw for nearly 22,900 yards and 150 touchdowns as an eagle while rushing for another nearly 4,500 yards and 22 scores. Still today, he's the league's all-time rushing leader among quarterbacks, more than 4,900 yards on the ground. A two-time All-Pro with three Pro Bowl selections, he was an eagle, 11 seasons, and one of my favorites also, Randall Cunningham.
1: Randall Cunningham, he was something special. Ted, next up, Mo Chiefs was the point guard that directed the offense for 11 Sixer seasons from 1978 through the middle of the 1989 season, including leading the 82-83 World Champions, as the Sixers Sixer Mo averaged 12.2 points and 7.3 assists per game. A four-time Sixer All-Star and five-time All-Defensive Team player elected to the Smith Basketball Hall of Fame last year in 2018, Mochi
2: all right, I have the next two, it looks like. Uh, Darren Dalton is one of the all-time most popular Phillies. Like the current Phils catcher, Dutch wore number 10. He played 13.5 of his 14 big league seasons with the Phils and was absolutely the leader in the clubhouse, particularly on that lovable NL pennant-winning 1993 squad. While his career stats were nothing special, a two forty five average and 134 home runs, Dalton was a standout in handling pitchers and in running the clubhouse, as mentioned. He finished his playing career in style in 1997, winning a World Series ring with the Marlins. But we'll also remember him as a very popular Philly. gone a couple of years now having succumbed to brain cancer, the great Darren Dalton. Now, another Philly, and I love talking about this guy. In just a couple of weeks, this guy will be formally honored with a retirement ceremony at Citizens Bank Park. And I hope it's a sellout because the big piece deserves it. The numbers that Ryan Howard put up between his 2005 Rookie of the Year season and 2011 are nothing short of amazing. From 2006 through 11, Howard averaged 43.7 home runs and 133 RBI per season. That is not bad. He was the league's 2006 most valuable player and finished in the top 10 in the voting the next five seasons as well. Yeah, he struck out a lot, and he was an average first baseman at best. But for those first seven seasons as a Philly before the devastating injury on the final play of that 2011 postseason, there was no one that opposing pitchers feared more than Ryan Howard. 382 career home runs, second on the Phils all-time list, and 1,194 RBI, third all-time among Phillies. Ryan Howard absolutely belongs in our little hall.
1: Well, the greatest five years of a power hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history including Mike Schmidt. Yeah. All right. Next up, new nominee on the list also, Chet, Bobby Jones. Bobby played for the 76ers from 1978 through 1986, including the 1983 NBA championship team. Jones won many awards, which led to his being elected to the basketball hall of fame this year, in 2019. A few of his awards included four-time NBA all Star. eight time NBA all defensive first team, NBA sixth man of the year in nineteen eighty three. And his number twenty four was retired by the Sixers. Jones averaged just ten point seven points per game and four point eight rebounds per game off the bench through his Sixers career, but his contributions, like Darren Dalton, were far greater than what showed up on the score sheet. Bobby Jones.
2: All right, now this guy just missed out on making our haul the last two years. He was one of my favorite Flyers in the 1980s, and he was a beast in front of the net, particularly on the power play. Tim Kerr, he was a scoring machine during most of his 11 seasons with the Orange and Black. In 601 games as a Flyer, Kerr scored 363 goals, added 287 assists. That is more than a point a game, folks. Kerr is the Flyers' third all-time leader in goals and is sixth in total points. He's still the team leader in career power play goals with 145. Tim Kerr was a five-time All-Star, and I'll say it right now, he deserves your vote. Tim Kerr.
1: Well, and I'm not going to make it easy for you, Chet, because I have another flyer who is a new nominee, Rick McLeish, and uh, certainly very underrated, but McLeish played 12 seasons with the Flyers, including two Stanley Cup championships. He recorded 328 goals. 369 assists for 697 Flyers points. He scored 50 goals with 50 assists during the 72-73 season and another 49 goals in the 76-77 season, along with 15 career hat-tricks. He played in three All-Star games as well. McLeese scored the game-winning goal that got the Flyers the first Stanley Cup in franchise history, scoring the only goal in a Team 6 against the Bruins. He led the playoffs with 13 goals and 22 points that year, but did not win the Smythe Award, which went to Bernie Perron. So definitely deserving to be on our ballot and in our Hall of Fame,
2: Rick McLeish. A lot of great flyers, man. A lot of great flyers, I got to tell you. All right, new to the ballot this year, in addition to Rick McLeish, one of those rare guys beloved by fans in both New York and Philadelphia as he spent nine or ten years in both cities. He came up with the Mets in the mid sixties where he was part of the sixty nine Miracle Mets and uh, the nineteen seventy three you gotta believe Mets that rallied to win the pennant and stretch the world champion Oakland A's to seven games. I'm talking about Tug McGraw, you know that, right? Tug joined the Phillies in nineteen seventy five and the state of Phil through nineteen eighty four, helping them win that franchise first World Series championship in nineteen eighty. We all remember his strikeout of Willie Wilson to end it. Remember what the colorful Tugger also said at the parade and rally at JFK Stadium a day or two later? All through baseball history, Philadelphia has had to take a backseat to New York City. Well, New York City can take this world championship and stick it, because we're number one. Now, years later, he apologized for that comment, realizing it might not have been the wisest thing to say, but Phil's fans loved it. Uh, Tug's Philly statistics during his 10 years in town, 49 wins, 94 saves, sixth on the Phil's all-time saves list, and a 3.10 earned run average. Not bad. You've got to believe the late, great Tug McGraw will get some support.
1: Yes, he will. And I have another new nominee, Chad. And this might have surprised you that I put Wilbert Montgomery on this list. And and here's why. Very underrated player. When the Eagles created their Team Hall of Fame in 1987, there were only two Vermeule-era Eagles in that inaugural class. Not Phil Berge, not Roger Jaworski, but Wilbert Montgomery, along with Harold Carmichael, were the two that were added to the very first class. He joined... the likes of Van Derrick, Van Buren, Pihos, and Van Brocklin, among others. Wilbert was a two-time Pro Bowler during his eight seasons with the Eagles. He rushed for 6,538 yards and 45 touchdowns, with another 2,447 yards, receiving with 12 more touchdowns. Montgomery's best season was 1979 when he rushed for 1,512 yards and led the NFL with 2,006 all-purpose yards. Wilbert still stands second on the Eagles' all-time career rushing list to LaShawn McCoy nearly 40 years after he carried his last football. Much deserving, much underrated, and underappreciated Wilbert Montgomery.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, Donovan McNabb. Yes, indeed. We all love Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. That Randall guy is probably more popular, too. But when it comes down to what the Eagles' greatest ever quarterback is, still good old number five donovan McNabb. he was picked second overall in the 1999 draft and played 11 seasons with the birds and he had quite a career you know that you know about the five nfc championship games and that one super bowl loss know also that he had a very respectable passer rating as an eagle of 86.5 and a one loss record of 92 49 and one and oh yeah 216 touchdowns and just 100 interceptions Put the quirky personality issues aside, and remember, he is the team's best-ever quarterback still, Donovan McNabb.
1: And interesting that he has gotten no support since he's been on our ballot for several Mm -hmm. years. He gets no support. Very interesting. Yeah. Yep, that is true. All right, Chet, next up, uh, Mike Quick. Mike Quick played all 11 of his seasons for the Eagles. He earned five Pro Bowl trips. Only six Eagles have gone to more Pro Bowls as an Eagle, then Quick. And they're all on our list, except for one, Jason Peters. Three times he gained over 1,000 yards receiving, including a league-leading 1,409 in 1983. For his Eagles career, Quick had 363 receptions for 6,464 yards and 61 touchdowns, including an NFL record 99-yarder. Certainly an older-generation Eagle, but certainly – needs to be thought about by quick.
2: And here's another guy who is absolutely deserving of your consideration for our little haul, Jimmy Rollins. He is the Phillies' all-time hits leader. We all remember him passing Mike Schmidt several years ago. He was also the National League's MVP in 2004, a three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, and a career two sixty seven hitter with the Phillies. And, of course, the key member of the Phil's 2008 World Championship team. He's even in the top ten on the Phil's all-time home run list. Yeah, 216 dingers as a Philly. He's only been gone a few years, but consider him for our Hall of Fame. J-Roll, Jimmy Rollins. All right. Next up, Chet, one of my favorites
1: of all time in in a Philadelphia uniform, Dave the Hammer Schultz. What more needs to be said? And it'll go part of the Stanley Cup champion Flyers, the head bully of the Broad Street Bullies. He only played five years with the Flyers, which is hard to believe, but what an impact. He scored 51 goals, recorded 64 assists, and 1386 penalty minutes. Yes, he did score 20 goals in a season in 1973-74. His record 472 penalty minutes amassed in 74-75 still stands as a record today. A member of the Flyers Hall of Fame and two-time Stanley Cup champion Dave, the Hammer, Schultz.
2: I think the Hammer's going to get a lot of support. We shall see. Uh, Like Bob Brown, who was first on the list, this final guy on our list uh, goes way back, back to my youth, Chet Walker, a very solid NBA player for 13 years. His rookie season was with the Syracuse Nats, in fact, in the early 60s, who, of course, then moved to Philly. And he played with the 76ers for six years. Chet Walker, a forward, averaged 16.2 points, and 7.9 rebounds a game with the franchise, a 47% shooter, and a strong defender. He finished his career with the Bulls, of course. Chet was a starting forward on the 1966-67 Sixers, inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee in 2012. An old favorite of mine, not just because we share the name Chet, Chet the Jet Walker.
1: Well, there you have it. Sixteen to choose from, Chet. You pick your five. By going to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, we'll get that posted for, uh, for everybody to start voting pretty soon tonight. Uh, click on the article. It'll be on the left-hand side. Uh, you'll go. You'll be able to open it up and vote. You can vote as many times as you want. Top three vote getters by the fans get in. Chet, you'll pick one, and I pick one. And remember, the voting is going to end Tuesday, July the 2nd. So, Chet, you want to run down the list again for us?
2: Yes, again, it's 11 holdovers and five newcomers. Here are the names. Bob Brown, Mo Cheeks, Billy Cunningham, Randall Cunningham, Darren Dalton, Tim Kerr, Donovan McNabb, Mike Quick, Jimmy Rollins, Dave Schultz, and Chet Walker. New to the 2019 ballot are Ryan Howard, Bobby Jones, Rick McLeish, Tug McGraw, and Wilbert Montgomery. And, Bill, this Hall of Fame stuff has me all jacked up, so... It's a great time to say happy 46th birthday to that redneck woman, Gretchen Wilson.
1: One thing i learned when you get tore up, to when you're all jacked up.
2: There you go.
1: <laughs> well, you are jacked up, and, uh, but I have to ask you, do you have a favorite? Yeah. Do you have a favorite in the clubhouse? Uh,
2: I said this last year because he missed out and I was bummed. Tim Kerr, if Tim Kerr doesn't get in the top three this year, I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to be my guy, Tim Kerr. Either that or so I'm, going get... I'm going to do a write-in campaign for Willie Montanez also. So, there you go.
1: He's, he's getting in no matter what, huh?
2: Tim Kerr's getting in. I'm telling you right now. There's one of the five. Uh, all right. Well, I would have told you that Tim Kerr was going to get in for
1: me as well.
2: Uh, <laughs>
1: and I have another one. I have another one that uh, – We'll see if he gets in by the fan vote, but uh, I I got my eyes set on one for sure. Okay. All All right. right. So, Jeff, we have a schedule change for next week. Tell us what's going on, who's coming to our show next week, and what do we have happening here?
2: All right, our show next week will be on Tuesday, July 2nd. That's because, you know, the 4th of July is coming up on Thursday, and the night before is the 3rd, which is the Wednesday. A lot of people do things with family or go out to the bars having a good time with friends on the 3rd or go to a fireworks show. So we're doing our show on Tuesday the 2nd next week. And the big question, Bill, is with you on something of a world tour right now, will you be joining me next week?
1: Well, my plan right now is to be (laughs) I will be in Atlanta. For next week, visit and the fills are in Atlanta. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, So I'm going to be there, and I I think I told you my son Mike lives right across the street from the stadium. He can actually walk to the games. Uh, So we're planning on going, but for at least for the moment, I do not need a substitute. You can keep the bullpen (laughs) shut
2: down. Okay. All right. So Tuesday at seven o five, or Tuesday at seven. Not 705. 705 is when we bring on our first guest, usually. But anyway, we will have a first-timer joining us who happens to be a Hall of Fame sports writer. He is a guy who, for many, many years, was a Phillies beat writer for the Daily News. These days, he writes for both MLB.com and Philly Voice. And he was the 2013 Baseball Hall of Fame Spink Award winner from the Baseball Writers Association of America, honored that summer in Cooperstown. His name is Paul Hagen and I'm excited to have him on the show for the first time. Also next week, Uh Fred Hugo is going to stop by to talk a little Sixers as Summer League action tips off, and we'll run down those 2019 Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame inductees, three selected by our listeners and whoever else decides to vote, and two others picked by you and me. So another full show next week, Bill.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to Paul Hagen. Always enjoyed his writing. I kind of forgot about it, but uh, always enjoyed his stuff.
2: Yeah, I was reminded of him because our buddy Steve Potter is actually doing something with, uh, with him right now. So uh, he brought the name to mind. I do see his columns occasionally in Philly Voice when they're posted online and you know, on Facebook. And I thought, boy, he'd be a great guest. So I reached out to him, and he said, absolutely. So there you go, Paul Hagen next week. Very cool. Hey, Ted, let's give
1: a shout-out to the PTCC 118 RAS Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page. So people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity that continue to run out great break autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available. So your chances of winning are one in twenty-one. Pretty good odds. Check out the Facebook page, like or follow it. It's PPCC one one eight Rasroom That's right. It's P P C one one eight rasroom
2: on. Facebook. Hey, Bill, uh, we, didn't talk in, we didn't really talk any Flyers tonight. Before we get to the parting shot, the Flyers have made a couple of moves lately. I haven't really been keeping tabs of all of them, but uh, you know, a couple of minor trades. But today, and this kind of took me by surprise, they brought Brian Elliott back for another season. He will, I guess, be the backup goalie to Carter Hart. Now, the hope for me is that he's only going to have to play maybe 20 games, that Carter Hart. Hart's going to be so great that he's going to have to play you know, three quarters of the game. So What did you think of the news that Brian Elliott's going to be back as the Flyers' backup goaltender this year? Uh,
1: I I really wish that they hadn't done that. Um, Just because, I mean, obviously it's a long season, it's a grind, uh, but to me, when you have a veteran like Elliott, he's not a bad player. Um, To me, you know, it could have Hart always looking over his shoulder, and it's Hart's job. He needs to play, and he needs to play as much as he can, and as long as the spot starts by Elliott, it's okay, but you know, they lose a few games in a row, and all of a sudden Elliott's in, and, and then you got this whole problem again. I, I really wish they wouldn't have done it. So, mm-hmm. right. right. you, hey, you mentioned about Brian Prop. Give, give us a little more information on that. And uh, I understand there's a lot of uh, ruckus, if you will, about Prop not getting in, and some of the guys that did get the Hockey Hall of Fame.
2: You know, I didn't read the whole story as far as who's all in there, but a lot of people I saw on Facebook last night were not happy about this 2019 Hall of Fame class. Guy Carboneau, um, another old veteran from the 70s and 80s, I guess, got in. Uh, a female hockey player who I'm sure was very good, but, I mean, just not any big names this year. And Meanwhile, you got Brian Propp sitting there, who's one of the greatest flyers of all time. And he does not, I guess, get the consideration that is warranted. So Brian Propp will not be going to the Hockey Hall of Fame this year. And maybe I'm biased, but I think he certainly deserves a lot more consideration than he's apparently getting.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when we went over, uh, was it last year, year before, when we put, I believe I actually picked Brian Propp to go into our Hall of Fame, and his numbers are staggering. I mean, he's right up there in the tops in NHL history in many, many offensive categories and certainly should be considered, especially, you know, in somewhat of a down year, uh, if you will, for for the headliners. Um, this was certainly a year he should have been in there. Yeah. And I'm I the list, Chet. Sergei Zubov, Key Carbono, mm-hmm. Czech hockey star Vaclav Nepomansky, and Jim Rutherford and Jerry York were the builders. That's it. That's the class.
2: Yeah, and I think there was a female also, and yeah, yeah it's kind of yes, an underwhelming blast. Yeah.
1: Haley, Haley Wickenheiser,
2: yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's it.
1: Interesting. Oh, well. Anything going on over there at the NovaCare Center? Things have been pretty quiet.
2: Yeah, things have been very quiet. Nothing to report right there. And uh, before we get to the parting shots, this is kind of a prelude to that. I mentioned Larry Anderson not being real happy about the way Gabe handled the kind of lack of hustle situations Larry was on WIP the other day And this is what Larry had to say Regarding that situation I want to see some reprimand I, I want to see it For me, I think he would get more respect If he would put his foot down If he would say, don't bother
1: going back out there To the, to the infield or the outfield You stay in the dugout here You had your chance, you blew it." So is it going to hurt you taking a, a good player out Or one of your starters out Because he's not hustling It, it might hurt you but I, I think you're going to gain more from it. You just can't keep doing these same things over and expect different results. There you go. Hey, Amen. Hey, Amen. There's no doubt about it. You know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, and I guess the, the, I keep going back to that comment by John Croft and Mike Schmidt actually talked about it uh, on Sunday too, you know, this whole hustle thing. Um, man, it just, it just kills me. And did you, speaking of Schmidt, Did you hear his comments on Sunday? I thought they were outstanding.
2: I didn't get to hear a whole lot of them, no, because I just wasn't able to hear a lot of the volume as I was watching the game on Sunday. So, no, I did not.
1: Well, you know, Tom McCarthy was was pressing Smith for, you know, what what do you do? What do you do as a player? What do you do as a manager? Your your team is just really struggling. And, you know, you're in the, the depths of an awful losing streak. What do you do? And Schmidt, I thought, was a fantastic answer. He says, every single player has to go up to the plate with a mentality that I am going to win this battle. Every at-bat is a battle. And he said, right now, we're not winning battles. This pitcher's killing us, and he's winning all the battles. And we're, we don't quite have the intensity to win these battles. And I thought, man, what a, what a fantastic answer that was.
2: Yeah. Good old Schmidt. Yep.
1: So with that, Mr. Chesko, parting shot for you tonight. I do not have one.
2: Yes, speaking of guys who do hustle, I'll tell you this. Watching the Chase Utley retirement ceremony on my DVR last Saturday morning, I wasn't able to see it live Friday evening. I was reminded why I had such a man crush on number 26. That guy was a gamer. He played hurt. He had game-winning hits. He wasn't a gold lover, yet he made several memorable plays, including out one in the 08 World Series clincher when he faked the throw to first and then wheeled and threw home to nail a guy at the plate. And he always, always gave 110%, something a few of the current films might want to make note of. He also said all of the right things in his interviews with broadcasters last week who asked about whether he's ever thought about his Hall of Fame prospects, something Donovan McNabb might want to learn from. He proved it once again. Chase Hotley is still the man. And you know who else is the man? We forgot, we forgot to mention, Bill. Fred Hugo. Fred Burns. Baby Fred. Welcome to the family last week. Way to go, Fred and Christy. Fred the Fourth.
1: Fred the yeah, Fourth. Yeah, another in Fred. The
2: house.
1: Yes, yep, indeed. Looking forward to that. And I know, uh, and I posted this on Facebook. I know Fred's dad and his granddad, who I knew, you know, both are, are certainly smiling, and and Fred's grandma too. Uh, great family, and congratulations to them. Congrats to and all. Ken, wrap it you know up, what? Don't... We're going to have to wrap this up because I think there's a there's a big debate on TV that you probably want to get to, <laughs> so. So I'm going to wrap this thing. We're at the top yeah. of the hour, so let's say tonight's special guest, Neil Hartman, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC118, Razroom, Room, and Dave LaVoy of State Insurance of Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chetchenko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Tuesday night, July 2nd at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com. On BlogTalkRadio. dot slash Radio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. Hi, hopes Philadelphia sports fans. I you. Darling, you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go?